Welcome to Seers, Beers, Knowers, and Doers, a podcast about intuition. Do you know what that is? Intuition to me is that inner sense for knowing that something is true, and yet I have no proof. But there's so many definitions, and there's so many ways it can come. I'm looking to bring together and share with you some amazing guests who have some amazing life stories and also some insights into how intuition can come. And I'm looking to gather those crows in the trees. I hope you're one of them. I hope that this podcast inspires you to be more connected to your intuition. And I hope that by doing that, we make the world a better place. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. Before we get started today, I would love to share some tools with you to help with stress and feeling overwhelmed, especially for the energetically sensitive person. Feel free to go to my store on my website at www.healingvitality.ca. Thanks so much for coming on this journey with me. So today I'm super excited to be speaking with Aletha Williams and we met if you can imagine this, through horses. So thank you for joining me today, Aletha. Well, thank you so much for having me here. I'm very humbled by the invitation. Oh, wow. I think we've we've got a lot we can share today. So would you mind starting with telling us about yourself? Well, I am a native of Jamaica. I left when I was 13 to come to the United States. My mom has, oh my goodness, somebody just gave me a kiss behind my ears. I wonder who that is. I'm with the horses. My mom has eight kids, and she just thought education-wise it would be nice to come to the United States because the United States is noted for its opportunities when we came here. But it was unfortunate because there were eight of us. We had to be sponsored by someone, and my mom only had three siblings, so they they split us in different families. Oh, wow. And so that marked the split of our family, actually, when we came Um, to the United States. So I grew up mostly out of North Carolina and then New Jersey. And then this, and I just realized that my mom and dad wouldn't be able to help me go to college. So I did the research to find what I can do. And I decided to go to the, one of the academies. And so I I literally picked which academy to go to based on the temperature. Oh, wow. (laughs) Which was less cold or which one was more convenient. And I discovered at the Naval Academy that they had a tunnel where you can literally walk to class inside of the building. It took longer, but I got to class and I was warm and I wasn't freezing, unlike the academy that's in um, New York, the Army, or the Coast Guard Academy in Connecticut. They're just freezing. They just have to walk outside. I'm like, nope. So I did that, and then then I uh, was in the military as a a naval officer for 20 years, and I became one of the first women to be on combatant ships. The year 1994 marked a very big landmark for women in the military where Congress allowed women to be on combatant ships. Before that, they were only allowed to be on the auxiliary ships, like the the ships that provide fuel and food or Mm. um, medical, medical. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So that, then after that, that's... 2014, I retired and in Washington State. And I literally was so exhausted, mentally burned out from just the fast pace that I, I mean, I was fast paced. Being a forerunner required me to be in these positions that 
where I couldn't find time to take vacations, literally, because if I took one week off, I noticed that when I came back, these men were jockeying for my position. So if I took more than a week off, I would literally lose my position because it was still a good old boys club and their the mm-hmm. higher leadership would actually allow it. Right. And that was their, their passive, um, aggressive way of saying, yeah, we, we'll put up with what Congress says, but we're not going to have to put up with with you and so there were not too many people that supported you know me being on the ship so it was a resistance that i've battled for 20 years and so Mm -hmm. when i retired (laughs) somebody's in my ears when i retired um it was just it was just time for me to take a year off Mm-hmm. And I took one complete year off, and then she's literally putting her head on my head. <laughs> but um, nice. I think she can sense. I think she can sense a little bit, you know, because when I talk about this stuff, it still brings that memory of I'm frustration sure. and stress. And so, Chile has been linked to my energy, and that we'll, we're going to talk about that about the intuition mm-hmm. and the energy and how to connect um, down the line. But she's just connecting to saying, I'm okay, I'm here with you. She's standing, it's old in space for me, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Very She's trying cool. to make me laugh. Yeah. Well, and there's immediately when you described your work environment, there's a lot of people that are going to resonate with that tide, I think. Yeah. Because it's prevalent and it's shifting. Ding, slowly, but to be a forerunner in such a male-dominated community, we'll call it, would have had a lot, a lot of stress in yes. every aspect of your life. So, I'm, yeah. I'm happy you retired. I'm happy you were hanging out in a field with horses right now. <laughs> uh, it's very significant and very important for me to do this because it yeah. took um, trauma mm-hmm. for me to realize that. I was being of service to everybody else, my, my family, my siblings, my kids, my then husband, my, uh, my country. But not once did I stop and said, pay attention to Aletha. Not once. I was mm-hmm. never being of service to myself. So when the trauma occurred, I really had to go inward and really self-examine what it is that I needed to change to be well again. And my intuition just kind of kicked in. I would say I, I, I was awakened. It, I, was, I recalled what I needed to do. My soul was like fighting for my life, right. literally. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. And people often say on this podcast that they have to get hit over the head in order to get it. And I, I always duck when I hear those words because I want people to get it before it gets that bad. And yes. So for yes, exactly. listeners to learn from your process, like you don't yes. have to be hit in the head. Intuition doesn't have to be violent. It doesn't have to be traumatic. And your body or your awakening is lovely because as soon as we connected on social media, it was like, wait a minute, there's many layers to you other than just being a person who's mutually <laughs> enjoying horses. Yeah, <laughs> so, thank you so much. Yeah, I really did a self-examination after that year when I realized that even though I was highly qualified, I had two master's degrees, one in information systems and one in systems engineering, 
for a whole year of applying for jobs, I wasn't getting the job. So I was like, oh, God is telling me. My intuition literally kicked in there. God mm -hmm. is telling me that, no, I don't need to go back to that environment again because that mm -hmm. environment actually was not well for me. No. But I just recall the entire 24 years in the military where my intuition was like, you're, you're moving further and further away from God. Your relationship right. with God is getting less and less. This is not okay. Not okay. But I stuck with it because I'm goal-oriented and I need. I wanted to retire because that was my goal, to retire and have some form of financial security. Because when you retire from the military, you get 50% of your last pay. Okay. So I, I retired as a naval officer, a, a lieutenant commander, and so I got half my base pay. And that was good enough security for me to retire for a year right but in trying to go back to the work field i just i tried everything and god was like no i'm gonna order your step this time <laughs> and i decided to go through I, i'm 100 percent disabled my pelvic bone and my oh, knees geez. and my back and from all the continued uh, as i call the prolonged stress yeah actually started um degrading become they call it degenerative right. and so uh, my body just started started to decay and in a way i would say my body started to die Mm -hmm. And uh, there were several times in my life where the question, my soul asked me, do I want to live or die? And the first time was in 2001 when I was diagnosed with cervical cancer. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I didn't want to live. I didn't. I was my job. That was my second job on the ship. Um, and it, it was so stressful. I was not welcome. I was not supported. Um, I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel like I belonged. And so I was really depressed. And then my father died. Oh, forget it. Mm. So I went into this dark night of the soul. And, you know, and still looking back, I still will say my stress caused my cancer. Yeah. And, and you will hear this and see this in research where it says prolonged stress does degrade or de um, downgrade your, your genes to where you create disease. Right. 100%. And, and disease, disease and disease. Right. So you create both of these elements in your body. And if you don't take care of it or catch it soon enough, it's going to just create, manifest in, a, in the form of a disease. And so to heal myself, I sacrificed my career. I literally, with the way the Navy was, you didn't have what they call a sabbatical. You can't have a sabbatical and still be a, a surface warfare officer, which is what I was. So I decided not to go back to sea. Well, if you don't go back to sea, you don't get promoted. But that was the first time I was asked in my soul, do I want to live or die? Mm -hmm. And I said, I, for the first time, I wanted to live because at that time I, I had a one-year-old and I wanted to live for him. And I also wanted him to have a brother just in case I didn't die. But this is how coincidental life is. The same ship that I was coming off of, that the, that female was the first female commanding officer. So this, she not only was a forerunner, she was the first female commanding officer of, a, of the ship, wow. of a combatant ship. But she allowed herself to have, you know, she had cancer. She allowed herself not to do therapy um, treatment until after her six months deployment. Wow. When she came back, the cancer had metastasized too much to where she was, it was too late. And so she, she died. 
Honestly. So here I am, the second female on that ship, Honestly. and the same thing happened to me. And I was like, uh, do I want to Follow keep going with my career? Yeah. Or, exactly. And so that was the first time God was like, nah, you need to listen, not knock. And I listened to Wayne Dwyer for about five years as I chose to decide to pretty much damage my career. Even though I tried to switch to another designation, they call it designation, another type of job. The surface warfare community wasn't releasing me because I was the first group of females to be in that designation. Oh, oh my. So not only were they, I was cornered. So basically yeah. my career was over, but I started manifesting. I started really going inward to heal and ask God what it is that I want to create out of this. And I told God I still want to retire. And somehow... I just looked at the other five jobs that I had after that, how God took care of it. Mm. Uh, despite, despite the fact that if you don't qualify for promotion three times, you actually get kicked out of the military. So by the time I got to the third not qualified for, for um, promotion, I was at my 18 years. Oh. And so they weren't, you know, the detailers weren't helping me at all. So I guess, I, and again, I said, God, okay, please find me the opportunity to have a job that where I can still take care of my illness and still be close to my family and not have to move. Well, the job was in Canada, which was across the way, the water from Everett, Washington. Right. And so I literally lived there Monday to Friday. I mean, literally sprint to the bus to get to the ferry, take the two and a half hour ferry and come home on Friday, get home around 10 p.m. Um, wake up early in the morning, go grocery shopping, and then leave again Sunday. It, I did that for 18 months, and my body was just so broken. Not only that, um, I was still going through a very rough marriage. Uh, my husband was also military, and he had, um, and he st to this day, he will not admit it. Um, he came back after a one-year stint in um, Iraq in 2010, came back with full-blown PTSD, mm. and refused to get help. And because he refused to get help, the, the family itself got secondary PTSD. And so it was For just sure. hard. Very. Again, I was asked when I came back and retired in 2014, my body from the stress had gotten so bad to where I went from running 13 miles to barely able to walk. I literally had to sit on my butt to go up the stairs. That's how bad my walking was. And I had to go inward again. And I had to literally start meditating. And as I started meditating... I became in contact more with my intuition, with my soul to start talking to me. And one day my soul says, you used to, you used to like to um, sketch. You used to like to paint. Do it again. And I started painting. And as I started painting, all the stressful, thoughtful, rat race noise, as I call it, stopped. There's a reason for that. <laughs> you, you know, there's a reason. It's, it's your vagus nerve. Yes. Um, you yes. you're, you're put you put a brake. You literally put a, your foot on the brake. When you're in a space of creativity where you're nowhere, no one, no time, you're just in this space, this quantum field as they call it. Mm -hmm. And your your frontal lobe is creating. It's your vagus nerve is shut down it, and it's shut down the entire day. It can't be started if you're in that space. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So... Here I, here I am. I went from 20 years of always being in this Vegas. sympathetic nervous system, mm -hmm. hypervigilant state to yeah. discovering one simple thing of painting allowed me to be at peace and to be safe. 
but my safety was not safe because as I tried to do that, my narcissistic ex-husband started ranching up because the calmer I became, the more he, more tactics he had to use to get me to be in sympathetic mode. Right. And it, it was almost like because he couldn't feel emotions, he got a rise out of seeing me upset. Absolutely. And That's a cycle. Yeah. Yeah, it's the cycle. It's the cycle of, um, you know, oh, I, I get a, I actually feel good when, it, when that happens to her. Mm-hmm. And so I am naturally, uh, my energy is unconditioned love. So to have someone do that to me all the time, it was disturbing. And my body just started dying. And I felt my nerve, my intuition keep telling me again, you're dying. Mm-hmm. Your cancer is going to come back. And sure enough, a couple of times I develop a wart on my uterus again. Yeah. And um, thank, thank God it was benign. But that was just a warning. My body was like, yeah, you're going to start getting sick again. Yeah. And I watched my body start getting sick. I developed this horrible rash on my right side that wouldn't go away until I started meditating and loving myself, respecting myself. Then the rash stopped. But every time I would get stressed from the situation with him, it would start up again. So, you know, my intuition just kept getting um, stronger and stronger to where I started healing. And finally, one day, when he actually used other people to attack me, I think think the final straw that broke the camel's back, I think that's what the Americans say. But the final straw that broke the back was when he had one of my children throw hot water on my thighs. It was actually aimed at my face and my breast to To shame me and to make me have the scar for life. Yeah. And I turned it quick enough to to deflect it onto my thighs. Yeah. And I said, okay, this man is using my kids as a weapon and Mm -hmm. I need to take care of it. And when I tried to take care of it, he had planned this divorce for for 10 years because for 10 years, I'm like, I need to get out of this. I've been trying to get out of it. But I couldn't get out of it because of some, he knew the law. This was his third marriage. So he was using the law as a way to get around because he wanted to get to 20 years. He literally married me for my money. Long yeah. story short, he married me for my, my financial position. Yes. And that's all I, then that's all I was to him was a financial investment. Oh, and they, yeah. The realization of that, the hurt, the betrayal, yeah. and the use of my kids, the use of my neighbors to isolate me and, and to um, to create lies in the court, yeah. put me in a situation where I was in a situation where my character, my honor, my integrity were yeah. being questioned. Yep. Yeah. And it was completely 100% out of my control. Mm-hmm. And... And I'm only going to say this, but not in detail. I almost went to prison for 18 years because of his lies. But because I knew my truth, I stood ground and said I would lose every penny I have to defend myself. And I did. But while I was doing that, I had to do some serious inner work, serious inner work. And my intuition became so on on point mm-hmm. that I just started following it and he would tell me to do this and I would do it. He would tell me to do that and I would do it. Uh, in 2012, he told me every day, every day while I'm in this divorce thing to paint and I painted every day. And while I painted every day, my body was at peace and I decided to move out of the house and, um, he created these lies that I was abusive mom and so forth. So I couldn't see my children for a while, but I started meditating again. What is it that I, what, it, what is it that I wanted? 
I want to be with my kids again. I want the court to find the truth. Mm -hmm. So when I start these clear intentions with a high level of emotion of gratitude, I started creating. Because if you um, ever listen to people like Joe Dispenza, these um, spiritual leaders that are out there, they tell you that matter, matter is is and energy is nine point nine 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 twelve nines. So yeah. we are, we are mostly energy, and so if we can harvest that that skill using our intuition, we literally can create what we want. And that's what I started doing, and it started happening. Long story short, all that all the lies that he did took two and a half years of in the courts. I got proven innocent. Then two and a half years of the divorce, so that's four years. For four years I fought, but I kept on creating my intention. Mm-hmm. Everything was turned back around. My honor was restored. My integrity was restored. And his lies were shown. His actions, because of how he acted, was revealed. So uh, intuition is my best friend now. Yes. And now I, I, I have this power, this heightened power to connect. And it was not because of myself. It was actually because of the horses. Yeah. Well, and the horses and the painting go together because, to me, the horses can create that parasympathetic system turning on for people if they wish to participate in that way. But just like you found it through other avenues, I really hope that people take from your story so many things, but that they can tap into ways to turn off the stress like and to go research that and follow their intuition to what will work for them because the world is in such a turmoil and stress right now that yes. if, if we could tip the, the stress button and the supply of energy that happens from stress to the proverbial negative and turn yeah. that energy inward into the calm, like... There's so much potential for that. So I'm so grateful that you shared your story because there's so many nuggets for different people to tap into there. It's incredible. I mean, the narcissists are 1 in 25. So everybody's got one. It's just how they show up. And they are teachers to me. They teach you to listen to yourself. They give you legs underneath you. They give you a spine. And it's... Yeah, it's not comfortable. <laughs> it's never comfortable. Um, yeah, because one of the of, things that is so similar to horses that narcissists are, narcissists are excellent at mirroring and picking up. They're they're almost like empaths, but they are are bad empaths. They pick up your energy and they mirror what you are to get what they want. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, and when you don't give them what you want, they want. That's when you start seeing the narcissistic tendencies come out. Right on. And horses, the horses, when I met them, they and they still do. They pick up my emotions and they, they t- teach me to become present. Mm-hmm. Because here I am still thinking in the past. And the thing about the mind is anything that happened in the mind, the polyvagal theory tells you that your body still traps those emotions. So if your mind goes back to that incidence again, your muscle starts reacting as if it, it still ha- it happened, it happened just in the now. Present. It's happening yes. now. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I could encourage people to do is be present. And to be present, you have to find a way to be still, to be silent. 
And um, I found that through meditating, through going for walks, being in nature, to um, I like to tell people, close your eyes for just five minutes. Five things that you hear, five things that you feel, and then open your eyes. By that time, your breath will have slowed down five things that you see. And I, I, I do that with the horses. And every time I do that, I come in resonance with the horses. Mm. I get grounded. And so if you can slow yourself down and just be aware of being in the now, past is gone, and then you're not worrying about the future. Mm-hmm. So I, I really encourage people to just just be, be gentle to themselves, but also be aware of themselves. Put on your oxygen mask first. Care for yourself before you can care for anybody else. Because what stress does, stress makes you very egocentric. It makes you withdraw, but you think only about yourself. But if you were to just replace that fear or stress with love and gratitude, it actually makes you release a stress hormone called the oxytocin hormone. It is a stress hormone, but people like to call it the love hormone. Yeah. What that hormone does, though, it makes you want to become social. It makes you want to care for others. And so... How we look at things, like Wayne Dwyer says, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at changes. And if we want to get better, we need to look at things a little bit different. And we need to take care of ourselves first and then release ourselves with that gratitude of love, um, um, service, being of service. All those high-level frequency of emotions will allow us to be, become more social and more aware that we're not the only one on this planet and we need to take care of each other. Mm-hmm. 100%. So shifting gears just quickly, because you've shared so much with us already, but I would like to um, ask you, how does your intuition show up for you? Oh, wow. <laughs> I like to say that a lot of times, like now, it's uh, my my brain muscle as is really in, in shape with my intuition to where when people think about me, I get a tingle in my brain, mm-hmm. a, li- a literal tingle. And certain people, if they do it often enough, it comes in a certain spot. And so I, literally I can tell who's thinking about me based on <laughs> where where this tingle comes and i pick up the phone and i call them oh i was just thinking about you my, my mom likes to do that a lot she she's on the east coast and she prays exactly at five o'clock in the morning that means i wake up three hours earlier <laughs> and i'm like oh my mom is praying again mm-hmm. and, I, and i would i would call her and she's like i was just thinking about you i'm like uh-huh other times it shows up oh my god it shows up in my painting when I have to deal with a traumatic emotion and I want and I am willing and I am ready to release that emotion and, and be healed, I go to my, my canvas. And I like to say the canvas is a clean slate where you can start all over. And that's what we do in our brain. When, we ch- want, when we're willing to heal, we literally can change the DNA structure of our body mm-hmm. with a clean slate. So I go to my painting and I just... I put the words that are causing me um, trauma or what I call ill will. And then I also put my intentions of what I want. I literally write it on the canvas. And then I start painting. And I, I, I like to say I like to put two colors on the canvas to just code it, right? Yeah. But in that primary coding shows up images 
and I am so tuned to the images, the, 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 the skill now that when it does, I'm like, oh my gosh, I see people, I see angels, I see, mm. I see this and I see that. It shows up in my painting. And I like to Lovely. say one of these things was I was when I was away from my kids and I wasn't allowed to see them. I had to paint that. And when I painted mm. it, I'll tell you right now, uh, an angel, an uh, angel showed up behind my son. Mm. My son was kneeling. He was crying. He was in the middle of the fire. So I painted fire. But an angel showed, showed manifest herself through it. And then Jesus Christ himself showed up. Nice. And then another angel showed up. And I, I just enhanced the color. Literally, it was just the shading, and then I enhanced it. So it just shows up a lot. And now I do, uh, I read tarot cards and um, angel cards and fairy cards. And I, as I start to read for people, I am able to literally connect to them. And it's just incredible. The message comes right through me. I hear it, what they're saying, and I just speak it. And then I forget it. So when people come back and say, what did you mean when you said that? I said, I don't know. I would have to go back and listen. <laughs> I'm channeling yes. what I'm hearing yeah. and feeling. And I get images as I connect with people. And, of course, you have to ask permission to um, enter somebody's sure. energy fields. That's, yeah. So when I, when I do these card readings, it is asking permission. And then when I'm done, I'm releasing it back to the energy, back to the universe, so that it doesn't stay with me. Lovely. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Well, my goodness, I think we've just given a whole bunch of loveliness out there. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. This has been fantastic. Well, thank you. And I wish everybody well. And I'm sending you guys such a big wave of unconditioned love. So when you hear this podcast, Heather is doing such a great job in connecting people. And and, we are here as a collective to help each other heal. So I am sending you all the biggest wave of unconditioned love, love and light to you all. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. We truly appreciate our guests for sharing their stories and insights about how intuition has impacted their lives. And I'm so grateful for Peter Trainer for his time in giving me this original music. It's now your turn. It's your turn to listen and act on your own intuition and help make the world a better place. Until next time, keep seeing, being, knowing, and doing. If you like this podcast, please share it. If you want to find others like it, go to www.healingvitality.ca or wherever you would find your podcasts. We would love to have you join us on this journey. Come be a crow sitting in the tree. Be part of our community.